Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Rugby Dungeon from Egg Chasers, or maybe Egg Chasers is from the Rugby Dungeon. It depends, really. It's kind of semantic. Anyway, it doesn't matter because we are here, you are listening, you've downloaded, and thank you very much for doing so. If you want to find out what I do normally, you can find me on, well, where can you find me? You can find me on Twitter, at jbeardmore. You can find my co-host, Cocker, from the Egg Chasers, at Cocker. You can find our other podcast, at Rugby Podcast, or if you want to see what I do for a day job, you can find me at Beardmore & Co. Independent Financial Advisors. Okay, enough of all that jazz. I have decided today that we are going to go and chat with someone a little different. So um, I thought I would get in contact with Northampton Saints and Henry Taylor, their scrum half. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's my chat with Henry. Rob, Rob Baxter giving giving away loads. <laughs> hey, Rob Baxter's amazing. He really is. Proper proper insight, right? Yeah, he's... Um, He's a pretty special guy. I, I just think like he thinks about things so clearly. He doesn't really matter who um, doesn't really matter who knows because I guess he's right. You know, when he talks about the mall, he says, "Well, you can stop it if you want. It's it, it's not rocket science. We'll just pass it somewhere yeah. else." Yeah, open book. He was in yeah. that. I thought. Yeah. Apart from his recruitment, which I really wanted to know. Yeah, I'm going to try and pin him down on that. If I if I catch him at the end of a sale game or or some such thing. I want to ask him about his movement patterns. But I, I tell you what else as well. I reckon that there's far more to their pick-and-go game than meet, than meet the eye. It's far more what? To, his, to their game? Yeah, uh, to their pick-and-go game. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like, I'm sure that they're doing... Like, I, I don't think it's revolutionary, but I bet their, you know, like their details, like how they latch on or you know, the time they spend on the floor or the roll. I mean, not that you can roll now, but there will be things to that which no one's thought of. I'm, I'm absolutely cer- certain of it. Yeah. Yeah. They, there'll be uh, there'll be some strategic... Um, I, I, he, he even said it himself. He said, it, you know, his their game plan has such a structure that all their players fit into it quite easily. Yeah. Um, but then the moments of magic obviously come from the decision-making of the players, I suppose. Like, there's a structure there that, that puts them in the right places, but then where the magic comes is when the players are making decisions within that structure. Yeah, I'd love to know, actually, how, how much it differs from Exeter over to um, other clubs, because you know, Rob says quite openly, he says things like, um, 
like there's a process of selecting the players and I wonder how much of those players fit into that structure or how much he looks at a player and goes, that is a brilliant player, we need to change our structure to get him in. And if the other clubs are doing the same sort of thing. We, we had, because um, I've obviously gone from Saris to Northampton. Saris have, have probably more of a, a rigid structure than Northampton have, right? Yeah, definitely. But you then get anomalies like Shulk Brits within yeah. that structure who would just, you know, go completely off script in it and it would happen and it would work. And it. So I, I suppose you can probably, within those structures, have one or two that do go completely off script. Um, but then the rest of it, you know, just good players making good decisions within the structure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. How, um, how structured did you find Saracens compared to Northampton? Um, yeah, it, it definitely had more, more structure in terms of where you are on the pitch. Yeah. Um, so there was a structure from within your, within your third, middle third, um, when you're on the opposition line, there was, there was definitely structure to it. Um, and all for, I suppose, uh, um, a, a game plan of, of field position, um, and and building that pressure, that momentum um, against other teams. Uh, I think probably at Northampton we're, we're a little bit more play play what you see. There's you know if if you want to kick out and out of your half, if you want to play out of your half. Um, there's not such there's not such structure to it. It's, yeah. it's more the onus on um, every player to make their decisions on, on what they're doing there. I see. Um, how are things at Saints at the moment? Because obviously you had a unfortunate end to the season. It, it wasn't, I, I imagine, it, in fact, we'll talk about that a bit more in a second. Um, but I guess it wasn't how you expected it. Uh, how, how, how have you got about sort of picking things up from there? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean post-COVID, it wasn't ideal, was it? No. Um, but it, it's difficult this season because, uh, as, as you say, we <laughs> We get we got our new kit at the end of last year. We we uh, we get two and a half weeks off. Um, the weather hasn't changed drastically. No. You just so so normally at the end of the season you get that change and, yeah. and mentally you get it. You know at the atmosphere you get it. You, you get a bit longer off. You get your new kit in. You you know you can park last season and build on this season. Whereas this has ha- had to be. Um, we've had to be quite careful about how we've prepared um within this pre-season on right park what went wrong last season mm-hmm. um and build on our foundations and focus on ourselves to get ourselves in the best position for this this up and coming season which is you know this friday now for us yeah it is isn't it uh yeah it's interesting you mentioned the kit because i've never really thought of that before but it is quite a good psychological change if you're trying to put the last season behind you you know, it's not a big. It's not a big thing. It's just it's, it's all the small things that add up yeah. to met, probably the mentality and the mind shift at the end of one season onto the new. What you're used to, the norm, is not the norm. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, what 2020 hasn't been the norm, has it? <laughs> no, 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 far from it. Yeah, I think Northampton were very unfortunate at the end of last season. I just think they got their strategy slightly wrong. I mean, there are things which you look at as a player from the playing side and think, yeah, we could probably have done that better. But if you look at all the other teams, they were playing a clear. You know, first team and second team, depending on if they thought they would win the game. And I felt that Northampton went out and gave everything every game. So, in effect, you had two, 
you had two teams which were putting out which were relatively even in strength, whereas everyone else was clearly going, yeah, we'll, we'll pick this game, we'll throw this game. And it just didn't, it didn't fall for you guys. Yeah, and I think the the coaches in the playing group, we've re- re- reviewed that and, um, you know, whether it was right or wrong, I, I don't know. But um, we... Uh, we did. We didn't get something something right. That's clear. Um, yeah. And I think you do, you do build connections with um, players week in week out, and and you needed to build those quickly after those three months off, right? Yeah. yeah. And those, those little subconscious um, relationships you get from your your nine and your ten and your your fifteen and your ten and and your timing off individual players when you're chopping and changing. <clears throat> groups of players maybe that's where we we made our mistakes and made our errors because we, we were putting a lot of ball to ground and our timing was off and we couldn't maintain pressure we kept letting that valve off if you like um, yeah and giving the opposition uh, a, a swing in momentum rather than building on our own pressure um, but I think to be honest I think it was um it was a really useful lesson for us as, as a group you know and we're not we're not the most experienced or the oldest group. We're quite a young group. Yeah, um, but it, they were good. They were good lessons to learn when we learned them. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's one of those. I, I do think it, it was a gamble, and you know, you say they've they've reflected on um, uh, on it and whatnot. I don't even think there's anything to reflect on because we're never going to have a. Well, hopefully, we'll never have a situation again where the season is cancelled. We have to play all of our games in like six weeks, and you've got to make a decision. Uh, do you play your strongest team or do you play a 1A or 1B? I mean, it'll never happen again. And frankly, if things went slightly differently, that decision could have been vindicated. So I don't think it's one of those things that people really need to get too upset about. It was just an interesting it's an interesting way to think about how to, how to proceed. Yeah, sure. Um, so, sorry, this the end of last season has really messed me up now. Is this your second or third season at, North, at Northampton now? It's my f- this is my start in my second yeah, right. Yeah, because you'd have. Yeah, that's right. So you, last year and then this year, because it feels. Yeah, um, how I've always wondered, like, like, how different is it playing with Owen Farrell compared to compared to Dan Bigger? Because I always think of them as sort of the mirror image of each other. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about mirror image. They're both huge competitors. Um, they're both fiercely professional. Um, very, very different personalities actually off the field. Really? Um, but not, you know, that doesn't change on the field. They are both, like, as hard on, on you know, the, the accuracy of the game, the accuracy of everyone's skills, the competitive nature of them both, you know, mm-hmm. they're both up there with, with the top, and I think um, both gain a lot of respect from that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that they're different off the field. Because on the, on the field, uh, that's exactly what I see. I see the uh, these two fierce competitors, and they just remind me so much of each other. The way that they are, you know, they're, they're certainly not the flashiest players, but they do seem to do those basic fly half things really, really well. Yeah, I mean, both of them dr- drill that as well. Like, there's there's no, you know, as Rob Bax was saying on your last podcast, it's, there's no complex. Um, reason for that it's literally hours on a training field practicing those core skills um, in games you know which is why they they're they're so they're so good at the top of their game because they are out there both of them morning and and night 
training training their core skills. Uh, and what's it like for you as a scrum half play, 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 playing with the, playing with these guys? Do you feel extra pressure when you're playing with a guy as, as seasoned and, and as experienced as experienced as them? Um, I wouldn't say pressure. Uh, I'd probably say it actually breeds confidence okay. having them having them there. Um, I think. I, I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't play a huge amount with Arthur because I didn't play a huge amount of Saracens. Yeah. So I, pr- I probably had, you know, two or three games where I played with him. So in four years, you look at that and you go, God, I haven't played at all. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and then he's away with England the rest of the time. Mm. Um, but I can speak for for playing with 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 Bigs. You know, it, it breeds confidence because it's not only you making the decisions; it's him. Yeah. And that, those small conversations. Um, between you know between plays breaks in play as you're playing the constant chat knowing that you've got a British and Irish lion there on your shoulder talking to you as well you know gives you all the confidence in the world yeah it doesn't in any way I, I guess um, detract from your decision making so I, you know maybe if you had someone less experienced you might try and take a, a more decisive role if you felt you needed to snipe or kick or, or, or some such thing it's funny you say that actually because when I first went to the club it it was a bit like that. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's, that's kind of a, a fight you have with yourself, you know, should I try and take more control in certain areas of the pitch? Um, you know, do I have to agree with everything Dan's saying or, or not? Yeah. Uh, and, and that they are difficult conversations sometimes, but actually Dan's very open to listening and, um, and then he'll come back when he thinks you're wrong. So, um, it's it's a really good relationship and a healthy competitive like relationship to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think you've, um, I think you've come into quite a difficult situation. You've come over from from Saracens, and I guess your role was to help fill the void left by Cobus Reinach, who's gone over for big money to to, to Montpellier. So you, the, so they've got the two scrum halves now, and they are big shoes to fill. Yeah, I think <laughs> Chris summed up in a meeting with me actually. Um, he said we signed you as, as as like third, fourth choice nine to fill the space and, and be there when we had injuries and stuff. Um, and he said, obviously, you came in and you weren't <laughs> you weren't going to accept that. I didn't know that that's why they've signed me. But um, anyway, uh, now obviously it's myself and Alex Mitchell there, and Cobus was a was a bit of a star, wasn't he? When he when he yeah. Was so. So we're now fighting for, um, competing for a spot and, and to be, you know, the, the best nines we can be for the club and for what they need. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool it's a cool place to be at the moment. Yeah, Northampton is, uh, well, it strikes me as a cool place. Uh, I ser- All the players that I've interviewed so far come across very, very, very well. I really enjoyed chatting with uh, Courtney. Uh, it, it does seem like a, like, like a pretty happy camp. Yeah, no, it is. And and we've done. To be honest, it's credit to the, the group. Like we could have absolutely lost our heads at the end of last season. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Um, but we've, we've got pretty good, honest relationships, and you know, Courtney's a fiercely intelligent. He's awesome, person, isn't he? Even though people sometimes don't think he is, because he, you know, he's he doesn't talk much. He's not, you know, overly vocal apart from on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, he's fiercely intelligent and brings that wise head to, 
you know, if, if someone's rambling on talking rubbish in a meeting, he's the first to go, hold on a minute, what's, what's going on here? You know, and, and question, and, and you need people like that in the squad. So, um, no, but it's, it, it is a really good place to be. Um, really good spirits and everyone's just trying to get better and better. How um, How is your relationship with with Alex Mitchell? I mean, I don't mean that like, do you hate each other or... or, or <laughs> yeah, but, or know, <laughs> yeah, Yeah, I let down his car tyres and all sorts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, do you, do you guys help? I mean, I guess I guess you do help each other out, but is there, I don't know, some, not, not friction, but I, I guess competition? There is, there is competition. Of course there is. It's healthy. It's, it's, it's natural. Um, but luckily we got along really well. Um, hmm. he's a, he's a top bloke, hilariously funny around the training camp, um, and a very skillful player. So, you know, you, you, I don't think you ever want to go and play at, at a club where you're out and out one, or yeah. you're not competing with one. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you haven't got anyone pushing you or you're pushing someone who you're not going to get there, which no one ever thinks that they're, yeah. you know, out and out rubbish and can't and can't compete for one because we're all competitive rebel players but you, you want to be at a club where you're pushing each other and you know that's that's our relationship there and, and off the pitch we get along really well yes it, it's a funny thing that they mention that because there are clubs where certain players are number one and i always think that it's not just bad for the players but it's bad for the team because if you're out and out number one or if you've got a special talent so uh, you know i'll give you an, I'll give an example i'm not saying he's detrimental to, to his team in any way but like someone like danny like danny cipriani it's not clear to me how you replace them i'm not even sure that out and out ones are good for the club let alone the com- let alone the competition because they're irreplaceable yeah um, what was rob baxter was saying about his 26 wasn't he yeah he, yeah he was he that group of twenty-six players. Well, I mean, that, um, sorry, go on. which I think is 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 clever and 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 good because everyone's driving everyone. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't know if it's unhealthy to have an out and out number one because sometimes you are going to have incredible players. Yeah. Um, but if they go off, if, if you've got that and they're going off to international duties, which they they normally are if they're out and out number ones, maybe Cipriani's a an anomaly in that. But um, you have to have people that are really good to fill fill their fill their void yeah um, so actually you end up having people who are frustrated because they are very good rugby players um but they've got an out and out number one ahead of them um but I, I know that chris i know that when chris boyd came into saints before before i joined his philosophy was we're going to give everyone a go and let everyone play and we'll have an element of rotation as well as healthy competition so if you're outplaying your opposition by a long way you're going to you're going to start and you're going to play but also, if you're, you know, Nick Fanak and you, you've got something that he hasn't got, and he's got something you haven't got, we'll rotate you in and, and play you, play you for for the games that suit your game. I see. Uh, were you a Chris Boyd signing? Do you know if he was the guy who said? So I looked at Saints um, when I left. So I went from school to Quinns mm-hmm. for a year in the academy. Um, quit rugby altogether. Went to to university. Um, Let, sorry, I, I do want to know the answer to my first question, but I just want to interrupt you there a second. Did you go to learn music, by any chance? No, no. Someone, someone wrote an article once saying I was classically trained on the piano, which wasn't true. Oh, uh, really? I, I, I do, I do play the piano, um, but self-taught and, and definitely not classically trained. <laughs> um, but no, I went to study fine art at university. Wow. I did two years there, um, and then I got pulled out. With a with a Sari signing, 
Um, and while I was, so when I left from Quinn's um, and went off to Loughborough, I got called up by the 20s coach, which was Nick Walsh at yeah. the time. And uh, I actually didn't, I thought it was uh, some of the, the Quinn's boys pranking me. Yeah. So I was kind of, he was like, hi, Nick Walsh here, would like you to come to, to a 20s camp. And I was kind of like, no, come on, who is it? Yeah. I'd I, I, I parked rugby and I was going to play National One at Loughborough. Um, wow. Just, just, just for fun, you know? Yeah. Um, and anyway, he called me up. We ended up going to New Zealand and winning the World Cup. And then Sarri's, I played for Sarri's and that was amazing. Um, but yeah, so Alan Dickens at the time was at Saints. Yeah, yeah. And he tried to sign me when, at the same time Saris were trying to sign me yes, from yes. that Loughborough lot. Um, and I think when my time finished at um, Saris, he'd put in the word to Chris Boyd saying, I know this scrum off because we tried to sign him a few years back. And Got it. That- so I think it was I think it was his word and Vesti, Sam Vest. Yeah, yeah. But- that was, and then Boydie obviously would have had a look, I think. But sorry, sounds stupid. Do they teach fine art in Loughborough? It doesn't sound like a very Loughborough subject. Yeah, no, they do. do uh, they really? it's, actually got, it's actually got a very good art school. Oh right, wow. I, you, yeah, you wouldn't know that because it's all sport, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Why did Why did you decide to do fine art? Are you art- artistic yourself? Uh, yeah, I, st- <laughs> I studied at a school, uh-huh. um, and. Loved it. I specialised in ceramics. Um, oh, wow. Bizarrely. Yeah. And then uh, followed it up, um, did some did, did some ceramics, but more um, kind of painting and, and photography and things. Oh, sounds a bit of a flop, doesn't it? Not really. Not really. It sounds, do you know what it sounds? It sounds perfectly Northampton. It sounds like exactly what lads at Northampton do. I remember. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So you've got, uh, well, you didn't until recently had Jamie... Jamie Gibson, who has a bloody cooking blog, and I think is his yeah. wife who does photography, or does he do photography? Who his wife? Uh, I think his wife does photography, or certainly Jamie okay. does photography. You've, you've you've got you've got Laws, who is basically uh, some sort of philo- philosopher warrior, and uh, Tom Ward, who who rounds up the boys to take him to welding classes. I mean, it's probably the most Northampton thing I've ever heard of. Yeah, fair enough. See where you're coming from there. Yeah, well, and- yeah. Woody's got his um, his woodworking shop with Sue. Uh, sorry, Alex Waller. Yeah. Oh, uh, why do you call him Sue? I don't know. I don't know why he's called Sue. <laughs> it's one of those things when you go to clubs, you don't ask why yeah. the nicknames are late. You just carry on calling them. Yeah, I, I, I interviewed Billy Burns once. And I asked him, um, yeah, you got any nicknames? He goes, yeah, yeah, Steve. It's like, why are you called Steve? I've got no idea, actually. I've never thought of it. Just everyone calls me Steve. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why he's called Sue. Oh. There you go. Uh, yeah, so that, that I mean that does sound like a pretty Northampton thing. Have you um, done any woodwork with uh, Tom Wood? No, I, I haven't with Tom because so when I was at Sarri's, Ben Spencer and I um, set up a small company. Oh yeah, um, called Ninety Nine Sap Designs, and we we did a very similar thing but a bit more rogue trader. So we got recycled pallets. Um, ah, cool. We struck a deal. We struck a deal with Dewalt. They sent us all the tools. Oh, and uh, and I and my, my dad's it from a carpentry background, so mm-hmm. um, Ben and I went into that, and we we did we did a couple of um, of coffee houses actually in, in one in Winchester, um, 
and one somewhere else. Can't remember where it was now. We properly fitted out full, yeah, you know, full full coffee houses, which was quite fun. Um, but then obviously Ben went off to, uh, well, I was off to Northampton. Ben went off to Bath, so we had to shut that down. But that oh, what fun. a shame! Uh, what's uh, Ben Spencer's background with woodwork then? Just enjoys it or? Yeah, nothing. We honestly, we, we were really good mates. Yeah, um, at Sarries, so we just, I think that was right. He he wanted um a big table and I just made one for my garden. He went, I love the table in your garden. Can you make one for my kitchen? Do you think? And I said, well, we can have a go. So we, we then made one for his kitchen. Then he, then we were like, that's good. So he posted it on, on uh, his Twitter, I think. Yeah. And the coffee guy said, love that. We, we're looking to furnish this, this new coffee shop. And that oh, was it cool. from then, from then on, we kind of just carried on and did some private stuff, did some commercial stuff, but it was good fun. And you also got a load of DeWalt tools, which is brilliant. Yeah, we got loads of DeWalt tools, which you still got. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I guess now you've now you're in partnership with with their tool station at Northampton. Uh, the only way is up. Well, yeah, I think I think Woody's bagsied that that line. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I bet. So, um, are you doing anything with, with with ceramics now? No, nothing. Oh, what a shame! Maybe that's the next thing that you should do. Yeah, let's get by a wheel and start throwing again. I, I, hang on, hasn't? I'm sure Tom Wood was doing that. I'm absolutely sure he was. No, I'm not sure. I, I tell you what. I mentioned it to him before, and he never said he was throwing pots. So, well, here's a, here's a weird one for you. Um, I'm pretty sure there was a guy in the NFL who left the NFL. He was a tight end for um, Washington Red- Washington Redskins, as they were known back in the day last year. Uh, Chris mm. something, and and he literally left to go and set up his own pottery pottery business and workshop. Literally nice. left. Literally left the NFL. What was his name? No. Not that it matters. So, uh, are you are you going to take any of these skills post rugby, or you know what what are your thoughts are? I mean, I know you're relatively young to be thinking about um, about that stuff. Yeah, well, I was thinking about it actually a few years ago because when I was at Sarries, I had I had three knee ops. I had a really dodgy right knee, and I wasn't sure how long it was going to last. Touch wood, it has, and it and it's good, good as gold now. Um, but I, I did spend some time actually in in uh, the city with a, cu- a couple of companies um learning kind of the trying to learn the financial industry yeah a bit better, which is a totally new vocabulary and all sorts but um I, i'm now doing a training course with uh, ostc which is zichi i don't know if you you know jack clifford from, from yeah yeah Quinn? that's that's where he so him and i were doing the same course over lockdown there's a few professional players oh, doing really? um but mine's kind of long term. He, he kind of obviously f- finished and went right. I'm going to blitz this course, and I think that might be where he's gone into now. So you, Zuki. so you fancy doing something, something financial once you're done then? I think so. Yeah. Don't do it, mate. Don't do it. I mean, I, I look, I, look. I'm, I'm, I'm an IFA by trade. I work with investments and whatnot. And uh, you know, if I had the opportunity to be fitting out coffee houses and or doing interviews like this or anything else, not that I don't enjoy my job. I just think you know. If you've got a choice to train for anything at the end of it, at least make make sure it's very rewarding. I don't know. Are you allowed to slag your job off on? on I'm, I'm allowed to. Uh, I work, <laughs> you know, I work for myself. It's, it's absolutely fine. No, I, I I do enjoy my job, but would I choose it if I could do it all over again? I don't know. May, may, maybe. Yeah. Well, to be honest, at Sarries we had um, a guy called uh, David Jones, and uh, hmm. he was the head of PDP Personal Development. Okay, and he was—he was incredible. Like um, for, for me, the most important guy at that club, especially for me, anyway. 
um, because I spent a year not playing because I was trying to sort my knee out. And That's interesting. He knew that for me, I needed a release elsewhere. And so he's he can set up, you know, a conversation or a, a, some work experience with anyone anywhere because he was really good with that. He obviously had the Saracen brand behind him and the connections. So he was really good and, and just said, look, try everything and anything. And and then when rug, when rugby comes to an end in, you know, five, six, seven years' time, you'll have more than an idea of the way you want to go. So yeah, he's that's not what wrong. I'm trying to do. He's not wrong at all. I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to go to Sale because um, I live in Manchester. So the, the the club that I visit most frequently is Sale Sharks. And I just yeah. think, like, if I was a player, uh, obviously the rugby's great, the money's great, but I think probably the biggest advantage that you guys have is uh, every home game, you've got a corporate section full of people who are very successful and would love to help help you out in any way. And I think if you realise that early doors, you've got one hell of a uh, resource there to build a network or get your work yeah. experience or, you know, there's just so much going on in rugby clubs. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. the lads don't appreciate exactly how much that is at their fingertips. And they certainly don't, well, not, not until you go at least. Definitely, definitely don't. And I totally agree with you. Um, you, see the, you see the guys kind of, and, and who am I to say, because I'm 26 and uh, I don't know, but you see the guys who get to kind of 29, 30 who are thinking about the other side and, and they are up in the boxes yeah. you know, after every every home game and you think anyone could be doing this throughout their whole career and build exactly. up a hell of a network. And uh, yeah, so I, I try and push myself to do as much of that as I, as I can. It's important stuff. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Did you have a stint at Coventry? Bedford? Bedford, sorry, but Bedford. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, did, um, I think I played a couple of months with Bedford, not long. Um, yeah, I... Uh, we we had some good. Uh, funnily enough, Jake Sharp, who's now joined Saints as a, an academy slash kicking coach. Yeah, um, he played with me while I, while I was at Bedford. Uh, so it's quite fun having him come in now and laughing about the old times. I like Bedford. Uh, I mean, they they often you often read a Bedford team sheet and you'll find players on there. You think, hang on a minute, I thought they were at you know X Y Z club. So um, just thinking about the players that have gone through there recently, like Mark well, Atkinson. Second, they... sorry. Yeah. They've um, they've now well I, I don't know I don't know what they've done but they've partnered with Saints. I, I yes, that's right. Because but our our academy slash 
B team will fill up the numbers for Bedford on the weekend. Uh, is that right? Yeah. So they used to do that with Tigers, I think. But like Dick, uh, X Scrum Hawk, Di- um, I keep getting his name wrong. Dixon or Dick Dickinson? No, Dixon. Dixon, um, yeah. Lee Dixon. Lee, not Lee, yes. Lee. Uh, he went there, I think. I know yeah. that um, Mark Atkinson was there for a little while before he went to um, Gloucester. Uh, yeah. Who's on? James Short, I think, was there for uh, for some time too. So they so they do get some real talent through. Yeah, hundred percent. It's just a, such a good place to to be as well. Like the the history of the club is crazy. Yeah, and the people on the sideline are as crazy. So it's it's a cool place to to play and experience that Bedford uh, that Bedford atmosphere. So how did you end up? How did you end up there? Was that sort a sort of loan deal? Or were you wait? Is yeah, that before Saris? So when I first joined Saris, they sent me to Bedford for, you know, when I wasn't playing on the weekend to play to, to pick up the games. I'm with you. So you so you weren't a, a full time full time Bedford player, no? no? No, no, no. I was on loan. Did you ever have any doubts when you were going to Bedford? Did you think, oh, hang on a minute, uh, I don't really want to be doing this. I'd rather be I'd rather be sat, <laughs> sat sat on the bench type type thing. You're always thinking that, aren't you? But I was on nineteen. 20 having left university um been playing that one um and when you know if you said that to a coach they'd say well jamie george played some time there and uh, is that right? games there. you know it, you 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 start to see that lots of boys went on loan just to, to keep playing games yeah it is important that it is important because you see so many lads um basically playing five aside on a Friday because they're not in the captain's run. And they can't actually, you know, if, you, if you've not gone on loan, it's quite easy to stagnate. So I know that Sale take send the lads over to, I think, Doncaster. But yeah, I, I do think yeah. game time, particularly for young lads, is so important because you could easily go through a yeah. season and only play five or six games if you're not playing A-League. Yeah, it's crucial. I think it's crucial. It's, such, it's, it's good for both parties, I think. Yeah. So for me, it was, it was, it was fantastic because it meant I was playing games on the weekend and working on my... Um, you know, working on my game management, working on everything in, in a game context because you can do all your skills, you know, on a training paddock, but you know, to actually apply it to a game is, is a different different thing altogether, isn't it? So um, it was good for me, but then also, you know, if 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 Bedford were lacking a nine or or, or needed needed another one, you know, uh, Saris were happy to send me across. Yeah. Um. Well, where, where did you start your rugby? Uh, Marlow. Marlow, why does that name ring a ring I a think bell? Matt, was it, was it Matt Dawson was, went to Marlow as well? I, don't, I think it was someone like that. I, I, that was, as in, as in the club. Marlow RF RF. It's not. Oh no, 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 no! Sorry, I've got that completely confused. I thought one of the Harlequins lads came from there. One of the, um, I think it was Billy and Macca's dad used to coach the first team there. Oh really? That's pretty cool. Yeah. We that, could... was, um, that was after I'd left because I, I played there till I was. 30 or 11 12 13 yeah 13 so when did it become clear to you then that uh, rugby was going to be a realistic proposition to to make a, to make a living out of uh it never really did <laughs> <laughs> uh, no it, i i played through school not really relying on rugby to be my my career path and then um right at the end after i yeah finished my mocks I got offered a contract from Harlequins for a year, academy contract. Yeah. Um, and then to me, it was like that 
you know, give give that a go because you're <laughs> yeah, absolutely. School, give it a go, and if you like it, go for it. If you don't, don't. I, I didn't love it my first year. Yeah. Um, probably because probably because at school you're doing everything right. Yeah. And I liked to do everything. So even though I was a uh, you know, I was known known for my rugby at school because you're at school. Yeah. Um, I, you know, as I said, I did, I did fine art and music and all other things, and I enjoyed that. And then I probably got shoved in an academy house at Quinn's, um, which was horrible, like horrible, horrible. Why, why, why is that then? Because I know some boys absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I just it was it was not a nice house to start with. As in, um, physically not a nice house. Physically not a nice house. Living with, with four lads, which was obviously good crack. Um, and we had a not, lot of nights out and a lot of fun. But at the same time, there was nothing else but rugby in my life at that time. So yeah. that's why I made the move to go off to university and see, see where I went from there. Who were, um, who were you living with? Anyone that we'd know? I was in with Jordan Burns, who I think is at Ealing now, is he? Uh, not sure is the answer. Okay. He's a scrum half. Jordan Burns. Yep. So signed two scrum halves, I guess. Um, Louis Grimaldi, who I think is playing in France. Good lad. Uh, and Harry Sloan, who... Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, has he had to retire suddenly? No. Or was he at Ealing? He, he had a lot of injuries, but I think he's now playing at Ealing. Yeah, I think he's at Ealing. Because I always get Harry Sloan mixed up with uh, George Lowe. And George Lowe has has retired, which is a shame. because George Lowe's retired, yeah. Because he's a cracking player. Or was a yeah. cracking player. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And the, and the year above us was Carl Sinclair, Merrick, um, who I saw last week, because he's, he's at Worcester now. Oh, um, yeah, okay. So Sink, Merrick, Charlie Walker. Yep. That lot. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, no, it was, it was good crap. Yeah. Good I've, crap. I've interviewed Charlie Walker, and he's been on one hell of a journey. What's he doing now? Good question. I think he might be at Ealing, but when I interviewed him, he was in Zebra, which was, oh, that's right, yeah. which was quite cool, actually. I mean, he wouldn't say it's cool. I mean, I think he would say uh, he'd prefer to be on his Quin- Quinn's money. But, you know, if you're going to basically take a, a, week, a year out of, out of the Premiership, you may as well go and, live, go and live in Italy or go and do something. 100%. Yeah, 100%. You ever given it any thought of uh, overseas? Maybe Japan, maybe uh, Italy? Not now. Um, not, I mean, I'd, I'd love to maybe back end later on. Or, yeah, to be honest, anyone would give me a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, no, um, so my other half, my fiance, she, she works in central London. Ah, um, she okay. works in advertising. We've, we've got a nice, uh, a nice spot here and we're, and we're quite comfortable. So, um, and I, lo- I love the premiership. So as long as I can, uh, can carry on, you know, running around yeah the premiership is a good league to be play- playing in in fairness i mean in terms of domestic competitions uh, you wouldn't want to be in the pro 14 well you might want to be in the pro 14 i think the pro 14 works if you're in one of the home nations uh international teams but it doesn't work much as a competition france is ferocious and well you know other than that you're gonna have to travel a long long a long long way i do think that the, the premiership's the best place for a player to play as domestic rugby yeah i've, I've heard some funny stories about france as well Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a wild west. Coaching styles and you know things that happen around the training field, just like crazy stories, and you just kind of worry, don't you? you know, oh, some, absolutely. Some, I remember a couple of years ago, one of the lads I was speaking to said 
they, they lost like three games in the bounce and, and the owner just said, well, we're not paying you this month. Really? It's like, yeah. it's like can you not, uh, do you not have any legal <laughs> starts in that? Or Yeah. Um, he was like, we're, we're going to delay your pay because you're all playing rubbish. Yeah, well, there is the, there is a rather famous story of Toulon losing in either a semi or a final and uh, Bougela getting so angry with them that he took their charter plane home alone. So he, he basically left them in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> in the airport that's so french isn't it yeah it, yeah c- completely I, I think the deal you sign when you go over to french team is uh, i mean it has changed somewhat well a little bit I, I guess but rather than us pay for your physio and all of your strength and conditioning all the rest of it we'll, we'll we'll just give you the money and then if you want to sort it out that's completely down to you yeah, that's not a bad deal yeah well uh, the money they're throwing around out there yeah and also the expectations are different so i was chatting to a guy who was saying he would potentially think of the premiership but actually he's only expected to play uh, once every two weeks because they oh. don't really target their home games oh uh, sorry their 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 away games so if you yeah. if you're a big player on player on big money as long as you're available for the home games it actually works out better madness isn't it yeah i don't know how they i don't know how they function that's why i think the French team has to be coached by a French individual because I don't think we I don't think we can comprehend what really goes on there. No, agreed. How are things under Chris Boyd? Maybe you could tell me a little bit about his philosophy of play and you know how you guys are set up uh, as a team. Do you see yourself as kind of like a Northampton Hurricanes now, or is it a little bit more nuanced <laughs> than that? Um, I I don't know what's you know Chris's philosophy. I, I know that Chris is. Um, well, do you know what? This is a stab in the dark. I don't really know anything, but I think Chris um, gives responsibility to his his coaching staff. So he 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 trusts Sam Vest to 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 look after the attack. He trusts Ian Vass with defence. He 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 trusts Douse and and Ferg with with the forward stuff. So yeah. I think it's you know he he has obviously an ideal of how he wants to play. Um, but he entrusts them with their with their parts, and then you know when we have our our big meetings, um, he'll put a few probes in there to, to to point the team in the right direction. So, you know, I think we're a bit bit off here, or we need to look a little bit at this, or you know, and and get 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 gets you thinking. Yeah. Um, so I, he definitely likes an attacking style, doesn't he? We know. We yeah. Know that. Very, um, very much but, so. But he does. I think his coaches. The coaches he he's chosen are suited to to that style, um, and I suppose with with Vassi coming in as our defence coach, having done a, a stint in Montpellier, he's obviously from a Saris background, so um, he's brought in him and Jake Sharp, both Saris backgrounds. Oh really? Um, I, I, yeah, I wasn't aware so, of that actually. Yeah, so um, there is slightly more structure on, on, on the defensive side of things and, and, and how we're how and where we're playing on the pitch. Um, but obviously that takes years to, to ingrain within within a team and, and understands um, the, the, the reasons and the connections between the players and why we're doing what we're doing. So um, I suppose there's a, there's a change there with the defensive strategy. But yeah, he, um, he's, a, he's a wise man. Yeah, I was, I was really interested to see how we get on. And obviously, the first year he was there, did brilliantly, got into the playoffs. And I think last year is a bit of an anomaly going forward. But obviously, he's got an attacking style. And Sam Vesti 
even at Worcester, has got one of the best reputations as an attacking coach. I thought it was very interesting that he would get an attacking, such a such a highly rated attack coach in, because you know if you've got different approaches to the games, you might actually clash, but it's actually worked really well. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both massively attacking, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I think we, we as a squad probably need to, to focus on core skills and, and hold ourselves accountable for when that game plan falls down and, and know when to, you know, just get a bit of go for it before we go. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I, I didn't want to say it, but occasionally, you know, you look at those games just after lockdown and you think, there's a little bit too much going on the back here. You kind of need to get over the game line before you play us. As good as those players are, because I think in Dingwell and Hutchinson, you've got two outstanding players, but they just need a bit more space. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all our centres. I think, I think probably we we need to look at or, or make better decisions around that um, on field. Yeah, because we're the guys on the pitch, um, and you you can't do the same thing week in week out um, because if you do the same thing week in week out, people work you out very quickly. So you, we have to vary, you know, vary the way we're playing at, at times, and I think that's probably where we. We weren't so good at the back end of last season. I think we were predictable in what we were doing. Yeah. And and, and other teams just waited for us to kind of crucify ourselves. Um, and, and sometimes we did. So, you know, we've, we've addressed that and looked at that and, and, and we're building. Yeah, you make a really good point there. Because it doesn't matter how good you are at a certain thing. There are some very smart coaches out there who coach other teams who will look at it and go, yeah, we, we can probably unpick that. And it really doesn't matter how good you are at executing that thing. You will get caught. No, and if you if you do it all the time, it's very easy. But if you do, you know, say you exit from a box kick um, very well, but you also have a running a running strategy, you know, then it's harder for the coach because they say, well, you've got to watch this, but you've also got to watch this, and you've also got to watch this. So then the players from other sides have got a bit of doubt in their mind. So yeah, no, you can't be can't be predictable. That's for sure. So in terms of uh, Northampton, what they expect from from you then? Do you see a clear difference between what you offer and what Mitchell offers? And do you think there are certain situations where they will make the decision to go for you over him and vice versa? I wish I did. <laughs> no, no idea. No, I think we're, we're quite similar nines in, in the fact that we both like a quick game. We like to get the ball up quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're both quite attacking nines. Um, uh, yeah, I think we're just again, as you say, that there will be differences within the way of the, the way we play, and we'll leave that for the fans to to make up what those differences are and, and whatever. But um, it's good, you know, it's good we're both pushing each other at, at the parts that we're not not as good at. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's not like we're looking at the difference between uh, Mike Phillips and and Dwayne Peel. Who's, who's Mike Phillips and who's Dwayne Peel? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, Exactly. Yeah, one of the things which interests me about scrum halves, particularly of late and particularly with England, is the conversation around how loud they are. So there are, there are two scrum halves in particular. I, I shan't name them. I don't think it's fair. But allegedly, no matter how well they play for their clubs, which I think they've been outstanding, they're not making it in for England because they're not loud enough. As a scrum half, do you often think about your communication or how loud you are? And if that's not in your toolbox, how do you go about adjusting it? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I'm, I, I could take a stab at who you're talking about. I kind of know who you're talking about, but yeah, um, I think it's certainly subjective in in who your coach is. Yeah, um, 
you know, some coach will put a real onus on their nines to be annoyingly nausy and, and very loud all the time. And other coaches, you know, will be happier with someone who's just a bit more measured and, and maybe just talks, you know, at, at certain times. I'm, I'm, I'm like to be constantly yapping. Yeah. Um, whether it's at my forwards, whether it's in my own 22, their 22, if I'm in the backfield, mm-hmm. I, I get joy out of, of giving my energy kind of through my voice and, and getting people off the line. Um, I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's better or worse, to be honest. Um, but you certainly do have to have more communication at, at nine and 10, obviously, because you're, you're game drivers, if, if you like. Yeah, I, I mean, when people say not loud enough, I, know, I, I don't want you to refer to um, any particular player, but just in your mind, what do you think that, think that they're referring to? Is that the actual marshalling of the players or is that the, you know, getting the energy up? What is it that they're, that they're actually looking for? I don't know. Who's saying not loud enough? This would be the Eddie Jones thing, wouldn't it? Certain players yeah. are, are not loud enough. And I just wonder what that, what that means when, when you hear it. I think if someone, if someone was to say to me, Henry, you're not loud enough, I would take it as marshalling your players around the pitch. Yeah. Um, so to me, that would mean the coach wants a bigger onus on me as a nine to control areas of the pitch, um, maybe bring energy in, in defence and attack and, and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I think energy is probably the key word there. Yeah. As, as a nine, because you have license because you're behind everything and you see most things you can you you can bring energy to the line you know and you can be very specific with it you know if i see paul hill at three and he's tight i say paul hill get wider wider so hilly get wider get wider you know I, you can see the whole game because you're sitting behind that that line yeah do you, do you notice the noise of other scrum halves do you do you often take your cue from them no really no, no well no not really no that's interesting. So I, I would always have thought that that would be sort of like one of the main battles. Like you're you're watching someone like Faf barking orders, and it's almost like some sort of arms race. But obviously not. <laughs> no, I think you're focusing, you're focusing on yourself and, and your team at that point. Yeah. So like, I, I'm definitely not trying to hear what what Faf is saying if he's barking behind their line. Yeah, it is a strange one because I I kind of think it's one of the it's almost like an excuse not to pick a player, and I think if you are looking at nines purely based on that and you're picking nines purely based on, on their noise surely I mean that is going to be one factor but then I think you're detracting from all the earth that that player can potentially do I suppose if you're if you're neck and neck and one's talking and bossing a team the other one's not maybe you know maybe that would swing it but if I, I'm kind of like I kind of agree with you there's there's a few missing within that squad yeah or one in particular um and God knows why. Yeah, anyway. it's, a, it's a very, 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 very good point. Uh, now, in terms of rugby, obviously you're a man of varied interests. I sometimes speak to some players and it's like they couldn't care less. Not about playing the game, but they just do not watch it. They'd rather be uh, gaming or you know, throwing pots or some such thing. Where do you stand on this? Do you watch a lot of rugby? I don't know if I should answer this because I'd probably get killed by my coaches. I, I really like to get turn my head straight off rugby as soon as I'm, uh, you know, as soon as I can. Yeah. But I said that in the same, in the same breath, for example, playing sale this weekend, every time 
you know, I've got a minute in, in, in a training, I'll be on the computers, you know, checking them out, looking at who, what they've got, what they're bringing, you know, looking at Faf, the weight, what he brings to the game. But, you know, I'd, I'd be a bit of a nause at training, but once I'm kind of out the door and I can get away from rugby, I like to do that as well, just because it, it suits me. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? That's uh, that's probably the most the most common answer. I primarily am a fan, so I sit down and watch a tremendous amount. A of, massive, uh, a massive nose. Massive nose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, huge nose. So obviously, I watch a lot of rugby. I'm often astonished though how many players just just don't watch it. Like if it's someone's like, oh, I, there are some players who literally do not know the names of the guys that, that that they are playing next week. There are some coaches, I kid you not, there are some coaches that don't know the names of, say, the opposition nine. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that's extreme. But um, <laughs> to be honest, I don't, I don't game. I, I've never gamed. I've never had a console. Um, but I, I do other things. I, I, I love riding motorbikes. So oh, do you? I go, yeah, I go out on my motorbikes. Um, oh, yeah, of course, because that's your WhatsApp picture. Yeah, yeah. And uh, other things like, like we've said, you know, Oh, bit music! Yeah, a bit of bit of making things there, here and there. What bike do you own? Uh, I've got two Triumphs. Oh, lovely, I've got a Bobber and a and a Cafe Racer style one. That's awesome. I've never yeah. been interested in bikes ever, ever, until I saw the Triumph Rocket Three, and I thought I, one day I need to own that. I don't, I wouldn't ride it, but I want to own it. Who, um, I saw uh, Flats was on that the other day. I don't know if he's got one. He has got one actually. Yeah, yeah. We we had a, we had a chat about bikes um, at the end of last season because. Uh, we both share a passion for them so uh oh yeah. he absolutely loves it he did his um he did his biking license alongside dylan hartley there's a little there's a little factoid for you okay there's a few of us at saints now that have uh well i've got a license tiamana harrison's got a license and of course he has of course he has yeah and, and there's a couple of others doing their licenses as we speak um so that's cool probably won't be popular with uh, the northampton players for saying this i think i would have an enormous issue if my star players started riding bikes about, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's, it's a funny one. Is it? it's the same. It's the same argument. You know, people said about Saris going skiing. Did Saris yeah. go skiing? Yeah, like two or three times. That's like, insane. Every, everyone knew it as well. You know, the whole league knew Saris were off, off skiing. But in the same vein, like you've got to you've got to live your life as well as as play rugby. And as long as you're not, you know, racing racing bikes around a track. <laughs> well arguably that might be that might be safer yeah but to be, to be honest you know if, i think if uh if, well, i don't like to say this touch but if i came off a bike and, and injured myself you know i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to say to them you know carry on paying me do you know what i mean it's 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 your responsibility as a person yeah yeah i guess so i think do you remember the the football player matt jansen no, uh, not play. a football fan. Uh, right, okay, yeah, no. I was, I, I was going to say that literally happened to him. He would, he just made the England squad. This must be like a decade ago, and then came off a bike in Mallorca and basically never played ever again. Not, not to be too down on it, but yeah, you've got a point. You know, if you're going to do these things, yeah. you've got to. Good, uh... yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm slow, then. yeah uh, I don't think I'd let my players be uh, be riding bikes that keen. That said, I did an interview with uh, Steve Diamond, and should he win the Premiership? He's got his eye on a Ducati two something. Well, he rides bikes, does he? Loves them. Oh, that's cool to know. Loves them. Like every time he does, uh, well, not every time, but when he achieves something. In in the past, he has bought bikes to celebrate that achievement. So, should he win the premiership, he's got his eye on a certain bike. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's cool. So, you're seeing sale this weekend. Now, by the time that this podcast comes out, 
it will already be be done and dusted. What are the goals for Northampton this year in terms of your league position? Uh, well, we, we we've kind of spoken about not speaking about that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, we're we're trying to put emphasis on on our process. So we're, we're taking a game at a time. We're not even thinking about um, league position at the end of the season. So. For us, everything is into this game on, on Friday night against Sale. So we're focusing on how we're going to perform against them and, and that's as far as we've got so far. Yeah. I won't ask you about how this game against Sale will go because by the time people listen to it, it'll be in the books. Uh, I will ask you though, if you're, I don't know, I mean, you've kind of told me that you're not allowed to tell me, but I'm going to ask you anyway, where you think Northampton will finish and then actually what we'll do is we'll finish off by you letting everyone know where we can find you on various so- social media platforms and where we can eventually buy your pottery from too. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, I think if we put everything together, Saints will win the league. Absolutely right. Um, and, uh, and yeah, what, what, what was the other one? Uh, where can we find you on social media? On social media. So I am on, on I'm not on Facebook anymore. I deleted that. I'm on Instagram. Um, tails underscore nine which is a lot of bike bike pics and holiday pics from my latest holiday because i only got one a year excellent um and then i'm on twitter but i rarely use it and i'm not even sure what i'm what i'm known as under that you there you, go. you my friend are a wise man a very wise man indeed <laughs> henry thank you so much for your time we're gonna have to have you on again at some point best of luck for the season i really appreciate your time cheers mate thanks a lot yeah.